will work better this time i'm hoping because yeah that that was no fun last week <laughs> yeah um so, so for those who don't know uh last week we had to cancel our episode because uh i think in an hour and a half of skyping we recorded about 30 minutes of useful audio because everything was just going you know batshit <sighs> so yeah <laughs> hopefully today will be better yes well we, we we shall see what we shall see and if not, we can, I don't know, go down and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just woke up. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what, if we have trouble we today, did. yeah, if you have trouble today, Matt, you know, you're the closest to Redmond, so you can go up and, uh, and cause trouble. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Seattle, Seattle's how far from Redmond? Uh, not really. Like maybe, um, maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes to a half hour, I think, depending on traffic. Okay. And it's a Sunday, so yeah, it can't be that bad. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So I saw I saw the new James Bond movie last night. Pardon? I saw the new James Bond movie last night. It's a very good movie. Very. Yeah, I, I've honestly never been too too into James Bond. I like I, I've seen a bunch of them just because you know they're kind of ubiquitous, but I, I I don't think I've ever really sought one out. <laughs> Well, go see this one because honestly, it's a good movie even if you're not a James Bond fan. Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a James Bond fan. I just, you know, I, I like some of the James yeah, I Bond the movies. The whole thing was great. Oh yeah. Mm. I thought the song was great. All the locations were great. Mm-hmm. I thought yes. the villain was great. Speaking of songs, that's actually the first time to my knowledge that I've actually heard Adele, and wow, she really can sing. Yeah, it's a good song. I listen to it even when I'm not watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the new cue is great. I mean, There's only one thing that I did not like about the movie, which is how it ends. But you know what can you do? Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> of course not. Does everyone get hit by the truck at the end? Match. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined it for everyone. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I don't even know how you could spoil a movie you haven't seen. <laughs> I, I, I had heard that the, uh, the the screenwriters were fellow students of the uh, Mr. Mike School of uh, How to Write Good. <laughs> good spelled G-U-D, right? Yeah. Good. One thing I, I, I do like, too, is, like, uh, I've got my uh, the uh, notes from last week, including some of the stuff that I don't even know if we're going to talk about this week. So I'll just leave it in there as sort of a a reminder of what could be. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to go back and edit my show notes from last week, so some of the notes might be out of context. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Let's be all lazy. Um, so, um, I guess, speak of last week, we might as well talk about our picks, because we didn't pick new picks for this week. I suppose that's as good a segue as any. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, it sounds like we're all kind of like, like, like the tryptophan has, has, like, uh, Stayed around for the the entire weekend. <laughs> I had yeah. two Thanksgiving dinners because of my. Uh, I had one on 
Long Island on Thursday uh, with the one side of my family. And then I had uh, a second Thanksgiving yesterday with the other side of my family. So it's been a uh, high food intake weekend. Yeah, I only had one Thanksgiving dinner, but it was a doozy. And then the next day I met up with uh, some friends of mine in Philly and we got uh, lunch at this place called Honey Sit and Eat. And they don't skimp on the food. I had I ordered a half a Reuben, and the Reubens come with uh, a pound of meat for a full one, so the half one is half a pound of meat. Wow. Plus mm. cheese, plus sauerkraut, and there were fried pickles uh, that we ordered for the table, and yeah, it was a big meal, coming on the heels of another big meal. Mmm, <laughs> fried pickles. Yeah. yeah, those are good when, when they do them right. I've, I've had them, like the first time I had them, they were like the, it was at this really, really terrible restaurant in Ballard. And like, they were just these kind of slimy things that had like the breading had basically just kind of fallen off anyway. Ooh. But I've had them since where people who knew what the hell they were doing and they are indeed very good when again, they know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> And the folks at Honey Sit and Eat know what they're doing. Uh, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. If you're ever in Philly. I love Rubens, too. And you love, and you love Ruben and the Jets. Yes. Frank Zappa <laughs> reference for anyone who's not paying attention. Mm-hmm. It sure is a good thing that we do, like, uh, um, run the uh, silence compressor, because I think this episode, you know, we'll, like, uh, so far we'll, like, record, like, you know, hour and a half, and it'll be, like, a, a, a half-hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'd better get start talk- talking about some records then. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what order we were doing this in last time, but we've got two contemporary picks and one really old pick, so I don't know. I like the sandwich thing. Mmm, sandwich. Mmm. To bring it back to the Reuben. Yes. Come full circle. <laughs> you got the newest one, Matt. Why don't you take a take a shot? Okay. I, I think I, I think I went first on the aborted episode too, so yes. we can we can uh, just. Pretend that that never happened, and hopefully this time I'll be a little bit more coherent, too, because I think I was a little bit rambly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, the uh, record I chose was the new one from The Coup, which is called Sorry to Bother You. Um, been, like, uh, this is like the, the first album they've actually bought from The Coup, but I've known that they were cool for a while. And just like, this is like the, but this is the first time I've actually sat down with one of their records, and I was completely blown away, and I've been listening to it. Over and over and over and over and over again. So um, I figured I'd make uh, you guys listen to it. So um, let's go with the pick, which was uh, the guillotine. So let's hear a little bit of that right now. We want to thank you for flying with us. We know you could have stayed home, just cried and cut mail. Your guns go off if it's time to bust mail. They tanks have time to rust. They got the armies turning bullets into gold. They got the hookers turning tricks into coal. And every time the police kicks in the dough, an angel gas breaks dips in the O. And even if a D-boy flips in my O, it ain't enough to buy shit anymore. Sleep in the doorway, piss on the floor. Look in the sky, wait for missiles to show. It's finna blow, cause they got the TV, we got the truth. They own the judges, and we got the proof. We got hella people, they got helicopters, they got the bombs, and we got the, we got the, we got the guillotine. We got the guillotine, you better run. Any, anyway, though, uh, yeah, I just really, really dig this. Um, like, uh, it's, it's very political, of course. I mean, they're, they're Marxists and like pretty much, you know, most, almost all of their songs are about, uh, political issues. And, uh, 
Boots Riley, the uh, lead, uh, the the rapper is, and like song uh, lead uh, songwriter and everything. Uh, he is uh, very involved in the or Oakland Occupy, um, and yeah, just like really really good record. It's uh, and the the thing that I I found out too is like uh, they played on uh, in Seattle the Saturday rec- before uh, the the show that I was that we were going to to do these picks for last week and i found out about that about like 11 p.m on that saturday night so i was kind of hissed but and i think that's like the second time that that has happened where i've like had a pick and then realized that they were playing in seattle like that week and couldn't go because i didn't know until too late so uh yeah what what uh what all y'all think I'm going to let Andrew go first because I think he went first last time and he's the one with the least hip hop experience. So, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember what I said. Uh, this is considerably out of my wheelhouse given the fact that I am largely apolitical and, uh, largely a hip hop. Um, but you know, I kind of enjoyed it, uh, for what it was. I thought the guillotine was a good song. Um, I think this is one of those, uh, I like the music. Um, I found the vocals to be a little bit less accessible in terms of, uh, you know, genre, just because I don't listen to, to this style of vocal very often. But I thought the music was good. And, and I find with hip hop, the music usually grooves pretty well. And, and sometimes the, the rapped vocals can even add to the, the syncopation and the groove and the rhythm of the song. Um, so, you know, probably something I won't go back to, but, um, I enjoyed it. Overall, I suppose I think the uh, you know it grooved pretty well, and and uh, I did like the guillotine. I thought that was a, a catchy tune, so it's all right. Cool. And uh, did you like uh, your parents' cocaine? Because that was the other the, the other one that was almost a pick. Almost. Let me see how that one goes. That's the one with the kazoo's. Oh yes, I remember the kazoo's, and I remember thinking that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that one was good too. It's got a good beat, and you can dance to it. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on American, later on American Bandstand. Now, um, <laughs> this was, this was interesting. I, I actually do have some hip hop experience. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised by this. I'd heard of the coup, but I never actually bothered to check them out. Thanks for, thanks for forcing that on me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, really. Uh, and one of the, one of the things I liked about this record is that most hip hop I hear has, is not terribly interesting on a musical level. Mm. You know, it's all just, you know, boom, boom. You know, all I hear is like bass and not much interesting musical stuff happening. Yes. And you know, apparently, you know, they're not just a, a, a hip hop act; they also have a live band, the Coup. So that was cool. The, they've had the the full band for uh, a while now, and that's on you know the album and live and everything. And uh, I, I've got some videos in the show notes of um, from the album. At, like Magic Clap is is pretty cool, and it's you know it's got the full band just kind of playing and and there's even like an accordion in there you know it's it's they've got a very wide musical palette which is pretty cool yeah yeah i find most hip-hop doesn't tend to have that but i mean i'm not opposed to the sample based stuff i mean i do like straight out content by nvua which is all samples but you know it has to have something interesting happening musically and of course the lyrics are great too um i'm not a communist i'm not a marxist but i used to be why are you surprised by this (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm more of a socialist now, but yeah, I can, I can understand where they're coming from. I respect that. Um, and they don't seem to be the asshole kind of communists who are like, kill everyone who is a capitalist, despite the guillotine. But yeah, I, I, I figure, I, I, the guillotine is more 
I got the vibe of, yeah, we can kill you. We don't want to have to. Yeah, I, I think I think the guillotine is more about like alluding to the French Revolution as, as so much as a a a threat necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of a threat, but you know what I mean. It's like it, it it's yeah, it's a little bit more of you know, oh, it's a warning. I think it's sort of like, uh, hey, you remember uh, what happened last time this kind of thing happened? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all tone, I'm gonna have to check out more of their stuff. Um, because they've definitely got me curious, and I'm also curious. This is supposed to be the soundtrack for a film, apparently. So, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I haven't heard anything about the film other than like in relation to the album. So I don't know if it's a joke, but I don't think it is. I think I think it's legit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it's uh, uh, a going to be a film that's a magical uh, or a magical realism based film uh, on uh, Boots's time as a telemarketer. And as someone who's worked telemarketing, I can't wait to see that because that's something that needs to be done turned into a film. <laughs> cool, yeah, because yeah, I just love this love this record. It was like one where uh, they posted the video for uh, your parents' cocaine. Uh, um, you know, well, when they when they posted it, and I I found it and I listened to it and I said, okay, fuck it, I'm going to the record store right now and buying the album. And I and I walked to the, the closest record store, which is only a couple blocks away, which is both nice and dangerous. But, um, but yeah, and picked it up, and as soon as I got back, I threw it on and listened to it, and it was just like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. I also went, went out and checked out uh, the song Five Million Ways to Kill a CEO, which, uh, which put a smile on my face. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I think the only, the only track I, on this one I don't really like is, uh, uh, We're All VIP, and that's mostly just because of the other MCs, where it's sort of like, like, uh, a lot of them are okay, but I mean, Boots, you know, owns, you know, and then the last one is like this guy from like Das Racist, which I've heard a lot about, but never checked out. But like, like his, uh, his flow was like God awful on that song. And I'm like thinking like to myself that like, I can rap better than that. And I, 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 and yeah, it makes me like not want to check out Das Racist at all ever. Yeah. I, and I, I'd heard good things about Das Racist if you're into that sort of thing, but I, I've never bothered to go check them out either. So. Yeah, because yeah, he's he on uh, we're all VIP. He the Das Racist guy is the last MC, hmm. and the the one who's just really slow and all like, I got shirts, more shirts than Jimmy Jazz. I got shirts, shirts <laughs> or whatever the fuck it was, and it was just so sl- it was slow and not clever, and it was like yeah, and then you but it like just kind of like it probably made it seem worse just to, because too. I mean like you know like like Killer Mike was. One of the other ones and uh, uh, Cool AD were uh, were on the song and they're pretty good. And then you have Boots, who's just awesome. So you have like these people who know what they're doing, and then you have like the Das Racist guy going all like, "Uh, I'm MC Barney, and I'm here to say I like fruity pebbles in a major way, or whatever." And yeah, it was just sort of like it 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 highlighted his uh, inadequacies as a rapper. No, I, I I have to actually go back and listen to that again because I, I it, it nothing I know Boots is Boots is very good. I, the other ones didn't stick out at me in any way, bad, good or bad. So yeah, yeah, most of the other the the ones that aren't the da, da, uh, Das Racist guy are like, oh, this is like pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I I'd heard of uh, Killer Mike, and I th- I think he's supposed to be really really good, and that seemed okay. I like it was it, it wasn't one that like spurred me to check him out more. Uh, but I mean, it wasn't like, you know, 
oh, why are you taking up time that could be better used for boots? <laughs> yeah. It's it's still a great album. I'm so you sold me. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I dig it, and you know, e- even you know, we're all VIP. It, it, it's the weakest track, but it's you know, not not necessarily bad either. Anyway, I think we're going to be funding the Worker Revolution through uh, through Q Records now. <laughs> yes. Music fans of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. Mm-hmm. I told you I was a communist at one point. <laughs> um, For your mind and your ass will follow. There you go. And uh, so, um, shall we uh, move on to uh, something completely different? <laughs> I. I- I, I know that we're going for the sandwich thing, so I know which one we're going to, but I mean, like, that could actually go apply to either, I think. <laughs> and now for something completely different. A man with a tape recorder up his nose. <laughs> and now, a man with a tape recorder up his brother's nose. <laughs> now, we're going to, instead of a man with a tape And now, now instead of a, a Monty Python reference, we're going to talk about Nico. And uh, her first solo album, Chelsea Girl. And the reason I picked this one is recently they uh, just re-released the uh, first album by The Velvet Underground, which also featured Nico. Hence, it was called The Velvet Underground and Nico. And it was this big-ass six-disc super special edition with a stereo version and a mono version and uh, the acetate that that guy found uh, in a corner for a buck. No, really. Guy found an acetate of The Velvet Underground... Uh, recording the first album in a guy selling in the bin of a guy selling records on the street and bought it for like a buck. So next time you're walking around the city and you see some guy selling records on the street corner, go flip through the bin. And what else is on here? Um, some live recordings and semi inexplicably one disc is just given over to Chelsea Girl, which I love the uh, the the box the the box set the super deluxe edition, but it always infuriates me when they throw in a, a something by another artist. I it was recorded with the Velvet Underground, but I'm such an anal retentive uh collect you know organizer of my MP3s. So now I've got this uh, thing in my MP3 collection where it's disc one of five. Sorry, disc one of six, two of six, three of six, four of six, six of six, because disc five of six is Chelsea Girl. That said, I'm glad they put it. I'm glad they gave it a nice remaster, and it makes a vague sense that they put it in because a lot of the members of the Velvet Underground played on that. Uh, specifically, um, oh god, uh, Sterling Morrison uh, played a number of instruments on there because he played a number of instruments in real life. And so, um, yeah, I was just I'm very enamored by the record. I think it's gorgeous. It's very lush. It's uh, Nico's voice. I like Nico's voice. I can understand why someone wouldn't, but I like her voice. And, you know, some of the songs, I, I got turned on to her um, from the film The Royal Tenenbaums because the first two songs on Chelsea Girl are on the soundtrack, uh, These Days and The Fairest of the Seasons. And I just heard those and I, I got hooked. And so let me share one of those songs with you right now. Here's These Days. I stop my rambling. I don't do too much gambling these days These days These days I seem to think about How all the changes came about my way And I wonder if I'd see another So, uh... What, what what do you guys think? 
that's a I don't like her voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I mean, I was kind. Of, I was looking forward. I was optimistic about this record because the the uh, the album cover had a sort of Joni Mitchell type feel to it, and I'm uh, a sizable fan of Joni Mitchell. But uh, I mean, the record is so sparse, and her vote her voice is such a focal point that I feel like if you don't enjoy or at least can cannot tolerate her voice it's kind of a kind of a deal breaker um and i like the you know the instrumentation underneath but just the the voice really grated on me and it felt to me like almost it had like a musical like a um like a musical play sort of quality like where you have a a female i don't know not soliloquy in a musical but whatever it is a solo i guess but it was like the entire album was this female vocalist solo which like normally like that's maybe like in a in a musical you like you tolerate the all right so she gets her little her spotlight song or whatever but like this entire album was just her um soliloquizing so i couldn't uh couldn't really do it didn't really land with me fair enough (laughs) i i need to spend more time with it honestly it's one where you've had two weeks matt i know i know (laughs) (laughs) just kidding I know. <laughs> but, um, like with Nico's voice is like, I really have to be in the exact right mood for her. Uh, because I mean, her voice is very idiosyncratic, let's say. <laughs> and I mean, it is, it isn't just, you know, a simple thing of, you know, she can't sing. Cause I mean, she can. Right. It's just a very odd style of, of singing. And it's like, Cause it's kind of funny because like basically my, the first, my first experience with the Velvet Underground was, uh, there's a scene in the Penn and Teller movie, uh, Penn and Teller get killed where there, it's basically, you know, just when the, the characters just kind of jamming out to the Velvet Underground because they're one of Penn's favorite bands. And it was sort of like, you could kind of tell that Penn was like, if I'm going to have a movie, I'm going to have, you know, basically a scene of, of, you know, something that I like, you know, and it was like basically, you know, that's why this scene is in here is so Penn can have a Velvet Underground song in here. And I was like, I mean, I, I think I was about maybe 14, 15 when I saw that for the first time. And I just was like, oh, you know, oh, what is this? This sucks. And I, I don't remember the song. I think it's I mean, it's off of the Velvet Underground and Nico because it's Nico singing. And I was just like, OK, this sucks. Velvet Underground suck, whatever. And for a long time, I kind of thought that. And then I finally kind of realized that, no, they don't. And I really like, like, I, I like John Cale quite a bit. Um, and Lou Reed, I can, I, I'm kind of getting into more, like, he, I, I've had to kind of take a running jumper to at him. Um, and, and even a bit with Nico, I mean, it's like, I, I borrowed a documentary on her from my friend Lindsay a long time ago. And I was like, oh, this is actually like really pretty good. Once I, you know, I guess once I kind of realized it and once I'd also s- didn't stop a movie dead because it's, it, it's sort of like, um, have you, either of you guys seen a uh, play Misty for me? No, nope. It's, um, Clint Eastwood's first film directing. And it's actually a really, really good film, but it's kind of has the same thing where all of a sudden the, the film stops dead. So his character can go to a jazz festival. And you just get like basically a reel of, you know, these jazz performances and, and whatnot and Clint Eastwood kind of wandering around and stuff. And it's, it's, 
and, and, and it's kind of cool because I mean, musically it's it's cool but i mean it's like story-wise there's absolutely no reason for it to be there and it just kind of stops the movie dead and is like it's like intermission almost <laughs> and it, it kind of works the same way in the Penn and teller movie although not nearly as long it's only you know a couple minutes but but yeah so i think it's when it's not thrust upon you when you're trying to watch you know Penn and teller do goofy things like uh nico can be enjoyable but i think you also do have to need to be in the exact right mood for her just because her voice is kind of kind of i don't want to say weird but it's 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 its own thing and it's not really there's not a lot of things that are like it so you can kind of yeah you kind of have to know what you're getting into pardon i guess and I, and actually i did really like the uh instrumentation and all that fun stuff on there too so by the way the song in Penn and Taylor get killed is femme fatale Okay. Yeah, vote underground Nico. Okay. Cause yeah, I mean, I, like, I didn't know it and I, like, I think I, I, I think in the film they have like the sleeve up, so I knew it was the Velvet Underground. But I, but yeah, I was, I was just like, I, what I basically heard in my, like, you know, 14 year old ears was like, you know, this, this weird chick caterwauling. <laughs> and I know now that that is not partic- a particularly apt description, but you know, when you're, when you're 14 winning for Penn and Teller to, you know, to you know to do goofy things and 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 you know if if the the title of the film is any indication die <laughs> it's uh you know it's a it's a little off putting i i i didn't think i was going to be taking such a risk uh put, putting picking this album but <laughs> oh well <laughs> it's a tone thing i don't like the tone of her voice it strikes the wrong chord with me i'm not saying you're wrong yeah yeah and it's kind of funny too cuz i mean like i i like with for a long time, like the Velvet Underground is about like the only thing that Penn, uh, Penn Gillette has like vocally said that he was really into that I didn't also be into. Like, cause I mean, he likes a lot of really cool bands, like, uh, Too Much Joy, uh, Half Japanese. I mean, even like he even used his Miami Vice money to start a label just so he could release Half Japanese records. Hmm. Well, I think there's one other thing that Penn's into that you're not into. <laughs> Libertarianism. Thank you. But <laughs> <laughs> But I'm dumb. But, but yeah, I mean, he worked for Ralph Records for a while, didn't he? Um, I don't know if he actually worked there, but he did, like, you know, he did a lot of stuff with them, like the, uh, Ralph Records, um, uh, 10th anniversary tape, and then also the Mull Show, of course. So, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's one where, like, I mean, I would love to, to sit, sit down and talk music with Penn for like a, a week, you know? <laughs> yeah. Same here, though. I wouldn't want to talk politics with him. No. Yeah, and, and, like, and if you happen to listen to this pen, we'd love to have you on the show to talk exclusively about music. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, if you're interested, if you're trying to get into Lou Reed, I, probably the best starting point outside of the Velvet Underground stuff is the album Transformer. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the quote unquote hit one, isn't it? Yeah, it's the one with Walk on the Wild Side, but it's also yeah. got uh, Satellite of Love and uh, Perfect Day. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is, which is, that's, right. Yeah. Perfect day is actually, uh, it, it's actually about spending a day high on heroin. Ah. Well, I don't know about you, but that does sound like my perfect day. (laughs) I can see why he named it that. But it it does make the, uh, the, I don't know, they re-recorded it for some sort of charity thing, uh, in the nineties. Uh, oh, let me look this up. Uh, yeah, they they record they re-recorded the song um, in come on 
Oh, I thought you meant that they recorded the full album. I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> no, no, they re-recorded the song um, in yeah in nineteen ninety seven for BBC charity stuff, which kind which is kind of weird because it's about being high on heroin. Yeah, well, it's sort of like the uh, the the cruise ship ads that keep using "Lust for Life." <gasps> yeah, <laughs> which is yet another song about heroin. Yes, I, mean, I always like it. Like they, they they always like duck all of the vocals except for "Lost for Life." <laughs> well, I'm sure Iggy's not complaining about the royalties. Oh no, yeah, he, and, he, and and honestly, like if I were Iggy, I, I would probably have definitely have sold that song just for the amusement factor of you know having you know this song about heroin selling like cruise ship bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a supposedly fun thing you'd probably never do again. Exactly. <laughs> I guess the uh, I'm not in the ground. <laughs> so, uh, bright light social hour now, huh? Yes, yes. So, uh, I went to go see Umphrey's McGee in Northampton, Massachusetts, on the first of November, and I forget what night it was. I think it was like a Thursday, and uh, there was an opening act. And my sister and I like to be up front. And the way the Calvin Theater is organized is that there's a dance floor up front by the stage, and then the rest of the venue is like a regular auditorium. <clears throat> and we had purchased tickets too late in the game to actually have uh, real floor tickets. Um, so we had seats, but on this particular night, we got there uh, when the doors opened, and there were no security guards at the bottoms, at the ends of the aisle. So we walked right into the dance floor and got right up against the stage and stayed there for the entire evening. And normally that's kind of a, uh, kind of a drag, despite the fact that you're up front, you're also, cause you have to stake out your spot and you have to hold that spot for, you know, five hours. And if you have to sit through, uh, stand through an opening act at the same time, it can be kind of an exhausting, uh, endeavor. Cause we got there, you know, at seven, the opening act didn't come on till eight, which meant Umphreys wasn't going to come on until quarter after nine. Um, so we were kind of dreading having to sit through the opening band because normally, you know, I mean, we're always there for the, for the main act itself. And, uh, most of the opening bands we've seen have not been, I mean, maybe the first song is pretty good and okay. The second song is tolerable. And then by the third song, you're like, all right, it's time to, for you guys to go and for the, the band that we came to see to, uh, to come out. But so the bright light social hour was the opening act, uh, on this particular night and they came out and, you know, look totally unassuming, standard opening, opening act, uh, material, long hair, you know, jeans, t-shirts, nothing special looking. And they started playing and they just blew everyone away. Um, I think they've been around for at least a few years. Uh, the album, the self-titled album is their first studio album. It's the only one they have out. It's, you can stream the whole thing on, on their website. Uh, and it was just, like I said, they blew us away. I mean, we were th- still, we were thinking like after the first song, you know, it was really good. And, uh, we thought, okay, the second song can't be nearly that good. Right. But then the second song was good. The third song was good. And the whole set was amazing just in terms of energy, uh, musicianship, uh, the tone. Uh, it was just really fantastic. So, um, we both bought the, uh, bought their album off of iTunes immediately. And, um, the song that I picked is the leadoff track, which is called Shanty. And we'll play that for the folks now. Something soon. Oh, I have only you 
first came out, I was kind of like, I forget what song they went into. It might have been back and forth or it might have even been Shanty. But um, I was thinking, OK, this is going to be kind of a blues sort of thing because they kind of have a, a sort of Black Keys feel, um, which we've talked about on the show before. And, you know, with the Black Keys, you know, I like a handful of songs of theirs. But then, you know, I kind of get over the novelty of just the drums and the guitar. Um, and I can't, I still think of even after listening to this album several times, many times, uh, I still think of the Bright Light Social Hour as sort of a more interesting Black Keys. Um, cause it is guitar, bass, and drums, but there's also keyboard in there. And despite the fact that it has a relatively lean and simple lineup of, uh, instruments, they make some really great textures and some really cool, uh, sounds. And it's not just, they're, they're really good at dynamics. It's not just the same sort of tempo and the same thing over and over again. Um, they can kind of weave between the bluesy stuff and the rock stuff and the psychedelic stuff. And they just do a really good job for, you know, for being an opening act, at least on that, at that particular show. And for this being their debut album. And it's, it feels very cohesive. You know, the songs flow from one to another. There's some instrumental stuff in there. Um, there's some progressive stuff with like Garden of the Gods, which is like an almost 10 minute track. And so I was just really impressed and, uh, easily the best opening act that I've ever seen. And I've recommended them to a few people since. And this is the first time I can say that if, um, that the opening band made the ticket, uh, worth the, made the show the worth, worth the price of admission. Uh, and Umphrey's put on a great show as well, but, but the, uh, the Bright Light Social Hour really blew us away. So, um, it was a great surprise. So there you go. Well. They were. I, they, I thought those was okay. It, it got a, the first half. It was. It's kind of a front-loaded album, I think. I. I, I just. I, I just sort of lost interest about halfway through. Hmm. I don't know. You know. But they're definitely. They're great musicians. I'll give them that. And they're. they're it's very fun. It's very high energy. But it's. It's. I think it, it's. It's one of those. Um. It's. Some of it's just so high energy that it's. It's wearying. Maybe. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And. Yeah. You know, I. I totally do. T- tuned out during that one seven some odd minute track, which is weird because I don't mind long songs usually. So I'm just trying to remember which song it is. The nine minute track. Nine minute, yeah, the long one. Yeah, Garden of the Gods. I don't know why I just sort of lost it there. Mm. I mean, they de- they have a lot of promise. I'm curious to he- to hear what they do next, but uh... yeah, I mean that's the thing because that that song is nine and a half minutes, and the the next longest song is, I think Shanty, which is five forty five. Um, but like I said before, the album is so cohesive and it does flow from one song to another that the, the barriers between tracks kind of disappear because, uh, I think bare hands, bare feet, and I don't know how you say the third track, but the second track and the third track really flow right into one another. And you can't really tell when one song, I mean, you can once you've heard it, but, uh, on your first listen, you might not realize that the track has changed. Um, and same thing for like men of the earth. Um, and Men of the Sea, which are these kind of instrumental interludes. Um, but I don't think, uh, I would agree that the album is front loaded because Garden of the Gods is, um, I think, you know, despite being long and, and perhaps tiresome for you, Rich, I think it's one of the stronger tracks in the album and it was terrific live. Um, and though I, th- I would say that the, the live show, I can't decide now if I thought the live show was better than the album. I think it might be, um, just because it, very entertaining uh visually as well um but i still think i wouldn't i don't consider i mean i've experienced plenty of albums uh that are that i would consider to be kind of exhausting uh no thanks to you guys (laughs) (laughs) and uh but i think this album has lots of it's it has it's nice ups and downs like detroit is kind of uh 
it's kind of sparse. And the third track, I don't know how you, know how you say that, La Piedra de la Iguana, is uh, is a little bit slower paced. And then the Men of the Earth, Men of the Sea are these sort of instrumental, sort of more soundscapey type things. So I, I would disagree with you on the dynamics. I think that they do a good job of, of not uh, pegging it the entire time and kind of creating sort of musical uh, ride throughout the, the 39 minutes of the album. I, I don't know why I just lost interest in it, but it just, it didn't, it, it failed to keep me hooked is, I guess, I don't know. I don't know, if nothing else, you guys did remind me about my next week's pick, which is going to be a uh, three-disc uh, concept album about the history of dirt, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, <laughs> hmm. It's all it's all kind of synth pop and <laughs> um, I actually uh, um, talking about the uh, bright light social hour. Uh, I actually quite liked this album. Um, the the one thing for me is that it I wish it were produced a little bit better. Hmm. Like um, a lot of like for me it just sounded like uh, kind of flat. Like the the drum sounds especially like the drum sounds just sounded not good, but not I mean not horrible, but just sort of like you just. I don't know they 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 just really it just really sounded flat to me, hmm. but um I so I think with like a, a a um producer or a better producer um I don't know if if they produce it themselves or if they you know hired somebody or whatever but but um with someone someone a bit better either engineer or uh, producer I think they could uh do like a a really really great album as it is I mean this is still a really really good album it's you know it's just the sound quality kind of isn't quite there for me, and it's not a bad sound quality. Like, I mean, it's very cleanly recorded. It's just the uh, the sounds that they use um, aren't quite there yet. I think, and I think it's more of less their fault and less and more like the uh, producer and engineer. Um, the songs are very, very good. Um, pardon? Uh, I was just going to say, according to Wikipedia, the producer was Danny Reich. R e i s ch of good danny's not familiar with his work yeah i i i don't know um maybe his band is better than his producing burn (laughs) he utilized vintage and modern recording to achieve a sound of like of 1970s hi-fi i can't confirm that huh didn't really sound like that to me but Mm. rock on (laughs) I, i i don't know it just it had a flat sound to it to me and like a very well recorded demo almost. Hmm. If, if that makes sense. Like honestly, I, I would have, I, I, I just assumed the album was self-produced. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. First album, I suppose. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's like first album band that, you know, hadn't really heard of other than from you mentioning them, you know, and it's sort of like, so I just figured, you know, okay, this is like really a pretty well produced demo. And I, I don't know if that's the case, but I mean, considering they hired a producer for it, I'm thinking not. So, um, hopefully next time they'll, um, hopefully this one will do well enough that they can, uh, hire a better producer and have a truly kick-ass album instead of one that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah maybe they can get one of the Umphreys guys to produce. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> they won six awards during the 2011 South by Southwest festival, including band of the year album of the year best bass guitar best keyboardist best producer and song of the year for detroit huh i i guess i'm i'm in the the minority on the producer thing because like that was like the one thing for me that really stood out was that it was it just didn't sound as full as it should have to me it sounded 
like and especially on the drum tracks it just sounded kind of like thud 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 and it was sort of like there should be a bit more of a booming quality to it and i that might have been I my problem matt it that might have been why i saw because it didn't have the you know musically it may have had the dynamics but sonically it didn't yeah and it, it just didn't seem to have kind of the oomph that it needed i think but that's a technical term yeah they're, they're a very bombastic band but uh just something about the way it was recorded or the way it was produced gave it this very flat feel. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. Yeah. I mean, maybe they are better. It's maybe, you know, maybe they are better live. Maybe it's, you know, when you see them live, you can feel the, uh, the dynamics better. Yeah. And I mean, and that's it for me is, I mean, it's like, it's like, I liked basically everything on there. Um, especially Shanty and Bare Hands, Bare Feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just, I just wanted to, I don't know, like go with them into the studio and like tweak their EQ settings or something. I don't know. It just, it just was almost there, but not quite. And that's like, and in a, in a screwy sort of way for me, that's almost, that's almost worse than like a shitty record. You know, it's like, if it's like a, a really great record that could just be like, that is like almost there, you know, it's like, like no, <laughs> be one hundred percent, not just yeah. ninety. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of EQ, you use the Andrew. You, I know you use the alleged perfect EQ setting. I do. Yeah, I think Matt and I probably keep ours flat. Hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I've listened to it on my iPhone too, and there's no EQ in there. So. Yeah, yeah, mine, mine is uh off. Like every once in a while, I'll turn it on for something, but. Usually I don't, and, and there every once in a while there will be like an individual track that I'll EQ, like uh, when They Might Be Giants uh, releases a free download, like a, a un unmastered uh, version of Fellowship of Hell, which is an awesome song by the way. But it it was a little off, and I I was able to kind of fix it in EQ, and then they then they mastered it themselves for uh, the Rarities uh, album raises new and troubling questions. So yeah, and uh, I know I used. EQ to uh, fix Freedom of Choice before the remaster came out. Yeah, it's it's that's one thing that I do like is that it's especially with MP3 and and well, I am not just MP3, but you know the like computer audio, I guess, is that it, it's actually easy now to like do EQ on certain things and not others. Where with an actual sound system, you'd kind of have to set it and then adjust for each track if you wanted to get that anal, which I don't think anybody ever did. Mm-hmm. Because that would suck to have to like ride the EQ for every every single friggin' song on a record. And how? So that's where we are. Music production. It's 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 an art. Um, it really is. I mean, it, it's like I like, and it, and it is something that can kind of ruin a record. I mean, it didn't ruin it in this case. I'm just saying, uh, but it really can. I've heard some stuff that's just like, wow, this would be really good if whoever recorded it knew what the fuck they were doing. But as it is, it's unlistenable. Mm. The uh, Recent, the newest album by Gang of Four comes to mind. I'm, I remember, if you remember, you read my review. It sounds like everything's just like covered in this layer of thick, translucent plastic. Yeah, yeah. I'll throw that in the show notes, by the way. Cool. Okay. Uh, this is going to be a short one unless we have something else to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was that essay, but I was thinking maybe saving that for the next episode when we have a chance to actually talk about it and yeah. and, read and, it. and and read. I it. haven't I haven't actually read it yet either. So <laughs> I skimmed I, it. I looked at it and I was like, oh, okay, this kind of seems kind of interesting. Oh, it's, it's 5,000 pages long. <laughs> uh, there, 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 there's like pictures of kitties I could be looking at. <laughs> yeah. 
I suggest if you get getting an app called Instapaper and you can save it and read it later when you are away from your computer and you can read it on your cellular telephone. Oh God, reading something of that length on a telephone, that just sounds like torture. <laughs> I, I guess I, I have, I have, I have opinions on things. I think like I, I've never been able to like, like the people who like load up like, you know, Kindle books and stuff on their phone. I can't imagine doing that because it just seems like it would be like, uh, I don't, you, you make the font size big enough and it's not so bad. Well, yeah, but I mean, just thinking that like, if you make the font size big enough, it's like ends up being the scroll. Cat, scroll, walk, scroll. <laughs> Crush on Radio is not brought to you by Instapaper and now never will. <laughs> Fuck you, potential sponsors. You try to give us money, I'll just shit talk it, even if I like your product. I'll be all like, food? Yeah, that's overrated. And suddenly we just got a hundred new listeners in Williamsburg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, now that we sorted out what the uh, technical problem is, I guess next week will be we shouldn't have to go fight to record an episode. <laughs> yes. Good God, that was torture. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it'd be like every like like you know one of us would say like maybe two sentences and then it would crap out again. And it'd be like I'd be you'd be talking and then next thing you know. Yeah, like like that. <laughs> <sighs> so where can we find each other online for this very short after this very short episode? AndrewMarvin.net and at AndrewMarvin on Twitter and all other internet services. Uh KittySneezes.com on KittySneezes.com and then KittySneezes on like Twitter and the other thing, uh Tumblr. I'm Sandspoint.com, Sandspoint on Twitter, Sandspoint on the app.net, Sandspoint on Last.fm, and I finally, and I brought back WantaBreathMint.com, and I'm posting stuff on there again. Yay! So far, I have three things. Is it, is it still done by Tumblr, or? Yeah. Cool. I, I'm gonna have to refollow you then, I think. Okay. And. Well, oh, no, I guess I am followed. I just didn't see why it didn't show up stuff. Oh well. Sometimes, sometimes Tumblr can be kind of dumb and not actually, like, not everything that you follow will show up on your dashboard, and it's kind of random, and it's kind of annoying, especially when you're, like, following something that's story-based, and all of a sudden you're, like, missing, like, the last two things, and you have to go to the end of the actual site and see them, but by then you've already been spoiled by the the most recent thing that did show up. Yeah, I don't follow a lot of stuff on Tumblr, so I can't say. I actually cleared a bunch of stuff out that's just, like, overload. So, mm. anyway, we're not on Tumblr, but you can find Crush on Radio at crushonradio.com, Crush on Radio on Twitter, Crush on Radio on iTunes. Yes, follow us, love us, review us. And speaking of iTunes, I've actually been, like, kind of toying with the idea of doing a special playlist of our past picks. So, if I can figure out how to do that, I'll I'll definitely be posting it to the uh, crushonradio.com site once it has a link and once I actually do it. Nice. You can play along at home, and it'll be the uh, Crush on Radio home game. You can listen to, to these the full hooks tracks and go, yeah, I, I think that the sound production on that was bad, and that you were wrong for liking it. <laughs> Crush on Radio, the home game. Yes, I'm picturing like little kids, like you know, bickering about sound quality and like EQ settings and 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 iTunes organization and why you know why certain bands suck or roll and whatnot. By Kenner. <laughs>
Alright. I guess that's a show, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we could maybe each, each of us have, like, Star Wars figurines that are, like, by Kenner, too. Like, you know, like, you know, like, they could just, like, throw out, you know, some of the overstock or something and repaint them and, and throw them in the box. <laughs> like, Andrew could be, like, a Boba Fett figure or something. And <laughs> Hey, I'm just a repainted Stormtrooper. <laughs> hey, yeah, at least you're not Jabba the Hutt. <laughs>